Psalm 91. Question number one, before I even read it, this is an orphan psalm. Now we know what that is now, right? Yes, thank you. Okay, yes. We don't know who the human author was. That's why we call it an orphan psalm. Uh, And so the human author, now we know this one, the human author of Psalm 90 is whom? Moses, the song, beautiful, teach us to number our days. And so I want to come back to that one probably before we go to, to uh, Mr. Job's book, God's book, be a Job. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely... He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the mm, terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the uh, destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy right hand, and ten thousand... Thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. I'll quit trying to do it from memory. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is thy habitation, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up with their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a beautiful psalm it is. Possible human authors, question number three, for tuning in online. If you're tuning in online, we are in Psalm 91. This is our 31st lesson on selected psalms, and we're going to look at Psalm 91 for a few weeks, a couple weeks, and then go from there, perhaps back to 90. We're delighted to have you with us as part of our Wednesday night service at Little Sandy Baptist Church, Psalm 91. Tonight, just verse 1. And I thought, I put on the board over here, which you cannot see online, but I put these three words on the board for us, He that dwelleth. Now, if you just stop right there, that is a big key. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. So that key, that word dwell is so important. It's not that we're just running there, to helter and skelter, not running to and fro. He that dwelleth, that's where you live. That's, this psalm is going to apply, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So he's dwelling in the secret place. That's the key. If you want to have the peace that passeth understanding, Pastor Tim or anyone else, we have got to learn the truth, he or she that dwelleth. It's not like, well, I'm going to have my Bible reading once, once, once every uh, three months if I need to or not. Whether I need it or not, I'm going to read for five minutes once every three months. It's not that at all. And you well know it. It's, it's a daily being with the Lord. An orphan psalm it is. Possible human authors, Moses, David, Hezekiah, Nathan, the seer, Isaiah. Five there for you. Now we remembered, can you remember, how many songs of degrees are there? Fifteen. How many did Hezekiah write? Because there was ten degrees. Good. Um, and how many did David write? And how many did Solomon write? 
one. Very good song. And they, what's the psalm numbers that are called the Song of Degrees? 120 to 134. Good job. On the, very good job on remembering that. So Hezekiah did write psalms. Most likely the top two contenders are Moses and David. So we're not sure who the human authors are, but we, which one it is, but we can for sure say that God wrote it through the pen of a human authors. Uh, Dr. Phillips says he thinks it likely was Moses uh, because it's intended as an appendix to the previous psalm, the great prayer of Moses, the man of God. Some, perhaps he says someone read uh, the great wilderness song and decided it needed a friend to stand along beside it for the Hebrew people, and they wrote Psalm 91. Treasury of David, interesting, I learned this week. I learned a lot. As you read, you learn things all the time. Jewish doctors, the the theologians in the Jewish culture, if there was no title or author given, you go back to the previous psalm, and whoever wrote the previous psalm is likely the author of the next one, even though the the version doesn't say with apodictic certainty that he did that. So they would say then that Moses, the man of God, why do we call it that? If you look at your title of the Psalm 90, the prayer of Moses, the man of God. And so the title's right there above your psalm if you have that in your study Bible there. So many expressions are similar to what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy. Uh, and if you think about Joshua and Caleb and their continued ministry among the people of Israel as they died in the wilderness, we might consider that also the, the verses there in Psalm 91, so it fits in. However, another one uh, says that so, since it sounds like Psalm 27 and Psalm 31, they believe possibly David wrote it. Uh, commentator Derek Kidner says, Some of its language of strongholds and shields reminds us of David, to whom the Septuagint ascribes it. Other phrases echo the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, as it is in Psalm 90. But it is, in fact, anonymous and timeless, perhaps all the more accessible for that. Because it is God who wrote it. We don't have to say, well, if I say, well, David wrote that, well, then how exactly in David's life are we going to take these verses and pigeonhole in to what David said? If there is no human author, then it can be for you and me today. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I think that verse is for you and I today. Not just for David or Moses or the people who first heard it. I believe God would give it to us today. Are we going to do that? We do not know who God chose to write this, but it is a masterpiece. David Cooper, the Jewish commentator, said, Among all the Psalms that are quoted and loved, Psalm 23 and Psalm 91 possibly are the favorites of the most people. When's the last time you heard that? But it is. I mean, this is a beautiful Psalm. I would have picked, what would you pick? Psalm 23 and 37, 51. 34, 1, those are all, I would not have put Psalm 91 in that immediate first five short list category of the favorite Psalms, and but Psalm 119 probably maybe it's the least favorite because it's so long, but Psalm 119 is amazing. The, the beauty of Psalm 119, all that's in there, let's just go right on, we'll get off course here, but Psalm 91, 23, he says, possibly the favorites of the most people. The former is easy to understood, and the latter is a little bit more difficult, he says. I like, I've got writing new notes from G. Campbell Morgan. This psalm is one of the greatest possessions of the saints. Spurgeon says, in the whole collection, there is not a more cheering psalm. Its tone is elevated and sustained throughout the faith, is, throughout faith is at its best and speaks nobly. 
And the moose says, it is one of the most excellent works of this kind which has ever appeared. It's impossible to imagine anything more solid, more beautiful, more profound, or more ornamented. It's, it's, these men, where do they come up with these words? They come up with because they dwell in the secret place of the Most High. They're people who have given their lives to the study of God's Word. I was, I was listening to, I sent my wife a text or sent a picture video yesterday of this lady over, I don't know, maybe it's Hungary. She's playing Vivaldi's Four Seasons, the primary violin, entirely from memory. And I'm flabbergasted. Her dexterity is, even one of the, I can even touch one of the songs she plays at my best moment. And she just, every single one is spot on. I did not hear any missed notes. The entire, 45 minutes to an hour long. Memory. And she's got the primary part. And she, that's a person, I, was, I, told, my, I told the cats, that person has given her, she gave her life to that. That's what she's done. A concert pianist, did you hear these people play? That's like eight, ten hours every single day of their life. That's what they do. That's what they do. We, we, I spend two or three hours in study. Wow, look at me. I spent, listen, you should spend, this is your life. God is our life. This word is what we should know. You should know, you should know what, when they ask you a question. You should know the answer. I told the ladies uh, at the computer class this morning, Dan Louise, I said, now, I stopped for a lot of questions, and I said, any computer question you have, and matter of fact, any other question you want to ask, I'll try to answer that one too, or something like that. But we want to stick with mostly computer questions in the computer class. This whole collection, there's, he says there's not a more cheering psalm. It is a wonderful thing. A German physician was wont, or often, to speak of it as the best preservative in times of cholera and truth it is a heavenly medicine against the plague and pest. He who, the he, goodness, guy writes from yesteryear, he who can live in its spirit will be fearless, even if once again London should become a, what's called laser house, which is question four, that is a hospital for lepers, lepers, and the grave be gorged with carcasses. In other words, if the plague comes, we can still trust in this. It was Spurgeon was walking down London and he was discouraged because so many people were getting sick and he was helping people and he was getting so discouraged. And he found that as a blacksmith's window or somebody's window, this very verse, and he picked it up and he read through that verse and the Lord encouraged him to keep going on. Martin Rinkert. You might have even heard of the name Martin Rinkert who wrote... Uh, now, now we think we all are God, praising God. Do you know that in 1637, he buried 40 to 50 people every day in his village. After the over 8,000 in his village died, burying 40 to 50 a day, he survived the plague. Then a famine came. He said 40 to, 30 to 40 people would be trying to find, there was a dead cat, and there would be 40 to 30, 40 people fighting over a dead cat or a dead crow. The famine was so bad. And then after that happened, he found the Swedish people came in and said, you owe us like this $30,000 uh, every annual cost tax. And they had no money. The whole city had no money. And he, and he comes back and he says, now we're going to thank our Lord for what we do have. And he wrote that hymn. Now we thank all, now we think, I can't remember exactly how it goes. Now we thank we all are God. Now we thank we all are God for heart, etc. Whatever he's got. And that's, see, that's it. We, 
The only way you survive that. It got so many people were dying, he could no longer do the funeral services. You had to put him in an unmarked grave and bury him. Can you imagine doing 30 funerals a day? Now, Cheryl works at a... Can you imagine overseeing 30, 40 a day? How spiritually, spiritually hard that would be. And yet he could write, now we think we all are God. We have it. I was telling my wife, we've eaten in our lifetime. We've eaten like kings. We have lived according, compared to most people. We've been so blessed in America. We have. Now, while people are divided on page two, divided as to the human author of Psalm, one interesting suggestion that Moses again wrote it because of, if you want to hold your finger, in Deuteronomy 33, 27, if you want to hold your finger there in Psalm and go back to Deuteronomy 33, 27, reminded early of the Sunday school last past Sunday how the kings of Israel, Judah, uh, at least Judah, I believe, for sure, probably all of them memorized the Pentateuch, and that was part of what they had to do. The eternal God, 3327 of Deuteronomy, is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, destroy them. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. So we read, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, etc. Verse 2, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Etc. Question five. Now, do you think, as we prepare for a, a little note here, do you think that Satan has script, knows about Scripture? Do you think Satan knows about Scripture? Has he uh, a knowledge of Scripture, Satan? Yes, absolutely he does. Uh, he likes to misquote. He perhaps likes to, I think, out of context, if you remember, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, Oh, thou shalt not surely die. The Lord knows when you eat this, you're going to be just like, like God himself. Eve even got carried away. Uh, well, we're not supposed to eat it and not even touch it. So Satan likes to do that. Interesting thing regarding this psalm now. Uh, Philip says uh, Satan knew it, memorized it, and he said most most assuredly hated it, but he employed it. This psalm is employed in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. And you're outlined, the devil's a great student of Scripture. It should say the devil studies the Bible just like some men have studied it. Not that man. Some men have studied it. He studies it for his own twisted ends, and he's a very diligent student of the Bible, far more diligent than we. He uses this psalm, shows, his use of the psalm shows how well he has mastered God's word. And so we have a question number six. Is this, uh, this very important part of history, very important part of history regarding the Bible? And so it ties in here, so just be patient. Just be patient. Just be patient. Pastor Tim, just be patient. What's going on? He dropped his microphone. First coming attack. All right. So we have Septuagint. Septuagint. So here we have the Septuagint. This is the very first translation of the Bible. So the Hebrew people got away from speaking the Hebrew language. They started speaking the Greek language. So in 250 BC, 250 BC, Tradition says that 72 Jewish elders, six from each tribe, got together and translated the Hebrew scriptures 
into Greek language. Very significant. Because that was the language, if you were to ask the disciples, can I read your Bible? They would get out a Greek Septuagint. Here's what I have to use. And so that was a, a very, important, very important part of history, really. It was the Bible, the New Testament. It was a landmark of antiquity, someone has said. Uh, we find that it has four parts, the law, the history, the poetry, and prophets. It was the earliest extant Greek translation of the Old Testament. Now, this word extant, something you should know, understand when you read this word, which I don't think I put up here, E, E, that's I, okay, A-E-I-O-U, E, extant, extant, yes, there we go, extant. What does that mean? You forgot, okay. Existing. I, we do not have, in the history of our era, any extant original scriptural scrolls that actual Peter wrote his actual letter on. There's none existing. There's no extant. Now, there are excellent copies preserved by God, etc. But I have a few extant love letters from my wife. My wife to her. She has a lot of extant love letters from my father-in-law to my mother-in-law. They're existing and they're actually in hand or in our house somewhere. This is the earliest existing copy of a Greek manuscript of the Hebrew Old Testament. So it's very important. There's 25,000 extant manuscripts of the New Testament. 25,000 whole or partial manuscripts of the New Testament. By far and away, any, there's nothing even close to that. So the Bible is preserved by God uh, very carefully. And so that's what this Septuagint... Now, why are we going there? Well, this wonderful psalm was first written in Hebrew, as you well know. And then in 250 B.C., there was the translation into the Greek called the Septuagint, Septuagint, however you want to pronounce it, from the, the Hebrew language into the Greek. So what Mr. Satan does, rather than use this Hebrew from the exact Hebrews, Hebrew, Hebrew, he goes over here and he quotes from the Septuagint, which is a little bit, and you'll see, look for yourself, see where it's a little bit different. You say, it's not exactly like, well, let's look for ourselves as we close. Luke chapter 4, verse 10, and Matthew chapter 4, please, verse 6. Luke chapter 4. Now hold your, hold your hand over here in Psalm 91. Matthew 4, Luke 4. Let's go to Matthew 4, verse 6, since it comes first. Matthew chapter 4, verse 6. And it says for us here, If thou be the Son of God, Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands there shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. When the Greek translators added that in there, so what he used was, was the most also singularly, he takes this far out of context. If you read, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, it's not some kind of, you can do whatever you, hair-brained, any kind of whatever wacky thing you want to do, and God's got to watch over you. Because It's not that at all. It's he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall have God's protecting arms and, and feathers over him. It's not... 
that Jesus can jump off the temple and God has to, you see how the context out of taken he's done there? That's a, that was a Yoda, Yodaism. Uh, that, that, that's what it was. So that's where the change comes in. And Luke chapter 10, please. Luke chapter 10, keep your hand in, in Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 4, sorry, 410. Luke 410. Luke 410. Not 10. 410. For as it is written, Luke 410, as it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any Time, thou dash thy foot against a stone. That is how Satan takes a little bit different than what we have over here in Psalm 91. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all their ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash, does it say, at any time. So Satan, a little bit changed there. But the big thing is, he's asking Christ to do something outside his Father's will. If you'll just worship me, if you'll make the stone bread, if you will jump off the temple, my goodness, it says, Jesus, it says, he shall give his angels charge over the barely. If you'll just do that, if you'll just worship me. So before you think that Satan is extremely smart, probably knows the, better, the Bible better than almost any Christian alive today, most likely. He's very smart like that. And so he does this to get... Try to get Satan to side, try to get Jesus to sidestep what God wants him to do. But Jesus sidesteps the issue by countering Satan's quotation with another, and so disarmed the evil one entirely. You want to know how to disarm the evil one, you must use God's word. There's some things the Bible says you don't stand and fight. Sometimes you flee. Flee youthful lust. Run from that. Oh, but pastor, I'm I'm a strong. You need to run from those. A couple, there's some couple things you just got to run from. Avoid. Avoid like the plague. You use the term avoid like the pestilence, those things. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So do you have a secret place? I trust that you do. If we want to face the storm coming, the storm is already here. The storm that may happen before the Lord takes us home. We need to have that abiding down. Or we're going to be carried with the wind, which uh, was pretty strong today, Steve was telling me. Carried with the wind. Let's pray. Lord, as we think about just the first little phrase in this psalm, he that dwelleth in the secret place. May that be me. May that be each one of us here. May we desire to dwell with you. May your word be something that we just grow more and more in love with all the time. May we be students of it. Lord, help us to train our children, grandchildren. Help us to have opportunities to witness to others. Uh, give us desire to do so. And be with us now as we go our separate ways. Help Mr. Skaggs with his cough, Lord. It would not get uh, too severe. Watch over him even now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.